I have to be delusional enough to think people are going to listen to this. It's thunderstorming outside. There's lightning. Hit me with it. Come on. How smart can you be when you have huge mantids? Okay, he, him. Go put your pronouns and go sit in the corner. I'll take care of this. It's just common sense. Good morning, Nolan. How you doing? I love life. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to have you on another real person for the podcast, which is new and great for us. So we're moving up in life. Well, I don't know. Hold on. Moving up in life. I, I still feel guilty with your uh, the, the the leader of the Bowtide movement, because indeed, he points out the people who aren't anon. You know, there is sort of an ego thing and it, it's not weakness, I guess. But uh, I don't exactly see it that way, but I do hear his voice sometimes when I'm not as anon as I maybe could be. Uh, you know, I, I interviewed Bowtide Bull this year for Coindesk, by the way. It went terribly. Yeah, the, the, the interview was awful. The, the, the interface was no good. I, I didn't get involved in the process of producing it. Anyway, disaster. But it's too bad. I'm, I'm a fan, though. I'm a huge fan. I always happen. When you're talking about the anonymous point, meaning that he says anon is the way to go? Well, I mean, there's a lot of risks. And, uh, you know, why, why would you... Um, why would you take on some of those risks just given, you know, look what we were talking about just before, you know, on my show this morning on the breakup, I was talking about Russell Brand and and some of that stuff and don't know what the allegations are going to be tonight. It looks like there's some allegations that are going to happen related to him tonight, but more that, you know, you become a target and, uh, and I could see why uh, the Bowtide brand uh, prefers to stay anon there's 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 a lot of good reasons why so uh, all i mean to say is it's not necessarily an upgrade uh, <laughs> you also have a lot of troubles my problem is i've been in this game since before it was even uh we even really understood the nature of the threats so yes. uh, that's how you end up you know what are you gonna do well that leads itself great into a bit of your background so how did you end up on twitter and on youtube and what is your background in this space oh i i had an interest an early interest in money laundering and uh <laughs> drug acquisition and uh so the reason i was interested in those things is because i was working in the field of law more or less writing bank law policies through uh, the senate banking committee in canada and indeed we were looking into the scam that is FATF, so the uh, anti-money laundering regime. And we came across it in a in a weird way. So I work in the Bitcoin space. Maybe the listeners out there mm -hmm. don't know that. So I'm, I've been a professional in the Bitcoin space since about this time. And, and one of the frames I often use to describe the growth of Bitcoin and even to predict where it's headed is to look at human capital, like the, 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 the professional people who entered Bitcoin when. And that tells a lot of the story about Bitcoin because the first people who understood Bitcoin as a, as a major change were the cryptographers themselves from whom this thing was invented. They'd been thinking about making a decentralized uh, form of money. And when they recognized what Satoshi Nakamoto had done, they, they, it was an aha, right? The orchestration of the, of, the, of the blockchain, of the Bitcoin blockchain, the organization of the cryptographic keys and the decentralized database and the proof of work model and all of those things. Uh, they recognized right away, wow, this thing does the magic thing we've been waiting for. It, it, it has created uh, a, a digital scarcity and digital property. 
And, and so they knew about it. And then Bitcoin came to my side of the world next, right? So the, the order is sort of, it started with the cryptographers, then it went to the political people who were dealing with the fallout of the Ron Paul campaign and the money printing. And we were sort of open-minded to what was going on with the Occupy movement, even though we recognized that it was part of an op, right? Uh, so we, we, you know, that was pretty obvious, but still there was, there was a lot of truth to it. And, and there was a, you know, a lot of political fallout. The next people were the wall street people. They were not sentimental, but they understood what was happening. And, and so they started peeling off professionally already back then. Right. So this is nothing to do with what people thought about it. All I mean to say is when you notice professional people moving towards Bitcoin, you can kind of see how it's going to change in the world. Once these professional groups right now, we're at the point in the game where the energy companies are coming and you're seeing professional energy people. So just as a, as a way to understand, you know, how to, how to frame these things. So I was part of that early political crowd because we were working on um, this fad of thing that I had come across. And basically what was happening is the little co-op banks in Canada uh, couldn't keep up with the compliance uh, bills, basically compliance was becoming too expensive for them. Now there's weird and boring ways about why that is. Basically it was unfair in the sense that the big banks in Canada didn't have this problem because they could consolidate the compliance, this FATF thing. We understood it was this sort of Parisian UN type body that in the end was telling small town Canadian co-op banks that they couldn't hire loan officers, they hired to, had to hire compliance officers. And this was you know, politically interesting to us. So we launched a, an inquiry about it and started messing around with changing the laws. And we were actually willing to destroy uh, FinCEN in Canada, FinTrack. We, were, we understood politically it would look good type of thing. But in that study, this was 2012, uh, someone mentioned Bitcoin and a whole bunch of us were starting to think about it. And in 2013, I got the study, the Senate to study Bitcoin itself. And we did a great, you know, study. It was really popular. And, and I did a publicity stunt at the time where we hashed it into Bitcoin's blockchain while we tabled it in parliament. And then I, you know, mm -hmm. Coindesk moved to America. There was some financial trouble in that bear market and uh, it ended up moving to New York and I moved to New York and uh, did the Wall Street thing for Bitcoin for a few years. So now, uh, you know, in the spirit of Bowtie Bull, uh, I, I used to do the fake news all the time. I used to go on CNBC and all the ridiculous media out there, uh, CNN, and it was always the same story, Bitcoin up, Bitcoin down, hack, one of the three. Uh, but now, uh, a couple of years ago, I realized that uh, it was better to share some of my uh, insights, not with Wall Street and and their stuff, but with uh, the wider Bitcoin world. And I got into the whole podcast and, you know, this this daily content creation game for, you know, mostly myself. I still do some stuff with Bitcoin Magazine, uh, but that's where we're at. Very cool. You came from Canada to New York. Yeah, I did the opposite. I, you know, when everyone in Canada, when when Trump got elected, it was like, oh, we're we're gonna move Americans, we're gonna move to Canada if he's elected. <laughs> I did the exact opposite. I moved to America when Trump was elected. When Trump was elected, <laughs> instantly, I instantly came down and moved to New York City. So it was great because I got to live in New York City for probably the most interesting financial story in the history of the world. And uh, I got to be the bearer of good news. So it was a really fun time. I got whisked around in black car service around New York oh. City all the time. And it was, uh, it was a real blast. It was a couple of years that I'll never forget. And being part of a sort of hit startup, uh, which was what we felt like at Coindesk at the time, we were making pretty good money and uh, 
having a pretty big impact, even though we were just a handful of people. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And I'll, I'll, I'll always uh, remember those times fondly. But again, in the spirit of the Bowtide uh, theme, that whole world is over and we're all headed to D-Gen Island, which we love. <laughs> we love D-Gen Island. You're also known as a Bitcoin Citadel. <laughs> You're very well versed in the brand. I love to hear it. I'm one of the earliest, honestly. I I, I probably am one of the earliest subscribers to the uh, to the newsletter. I was a you know, I, I was definitely in the uh, toxic or whatever sonic autist <laughs> level <laughs> degenic, and uh, and so I've been a long time uh, Mike Cernovich. Mm. you know, sort of fan or uh, you know, a friend. I've met him. I've hung out with so. I've been a Bowtie Bull follower since when no one recognized that the probably nothing and all of that were him, mm. you know, so, so by that point. You definitely preceded me then as well. I found the jungle through Cernovich for sure. So oh, I, cool. I, I think that's probably the biggest path for most people to the jungle is Cernovich interacting with Bull. So then you get signed up on the newsletter. You're just trying to figure out when to buy Bitcoin so you can save some money. And before you know it, you have an anonymous cartoon YouTube channel and your life is completely <laughs> different. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the irreverence as well. Uh, <laughs> and that's what I love about the newsletter. And I, I'll ad happily admit that I completely copy and stole uh, his insistence on calling uh, U.S. trash tokens. <laughs> <laughs> having a wi-fi business i love it all yeah it's really good you know i love having a wi-fi money business i know it's the best one to have um mm -hmm. until you become a real business like the toothpaste company that's gonna be yeah. in target soon so <laughs> <laughs> that's not real i don't know maybe but Very anyways good. so you brought up trash tokens and this is actually like how i first found the jungle and how i first became interested is don't hate me for it, but I was an econ student and I was in monetary theory class and I would argue with my professor about the Federal Reserve because it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because you want a free market in every other market except for the market for credit where you set um, interest rates. And so we would just argue a lot, but he had a couple good comebacks. So I'd be interested to hear like what your response to his response would be. So, for instance, he would say, without the Federal Reserve, we can't fluctuate the money supply. So if there is an economic recession, we are beholden to that recession. Like the prices are going to spike or we might face deflation. Like we need the Federal Reserve there to protect us and to be able to move the money supply around as needed. Do you think that there is a reason for the Federal Reserve to exist in that function? No. Um, you know, it's it's the... In this case, the failure, um, I think, to imagine how humans actually behave over time. Like, you, it would make sense if it was a short-term situation, but it's the compounding nature of all of this that make it unwieldy, you know, for the human mind to even contemplate. I think that's one of the important things here is to just be sort of humble in the face of of what can't be contained by human activity, right? The, the economy is, uh, it's a psychological engine and it's more complicated than people can, can quantify. And the more things are manipulated, the less reference there is to anything real. So when you say that there's some need to 
um, paper over mm-hmm. problems in the economy. There's no feedback loop. But if you remove the feedback loop by manipulating the data, in the end, it might look okay for the minute, but you'll end up creating systemic problems that you have to face eventually. And I think that's where America's at, right? You, you can't actually follow the money in the United States to the bad things America's done. And, and as, a, as a nation that prints the only real money in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, that's why the bill is sort of due in, in many ways, right? That's why you, you see people ignoring um, American influence more and more. What we have here is, is absolute zero accountability. And when you can't do the cost benefit, when you can't actually just measure things and you have no feedback, you can't manage anything. If you can't manage, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And, and in the case of manipulation by a central bank, that, that's what I see, right? It's really just about them pretending to measure things to say they're managing them, but they're not really even measuring anything. And they've been manipulating this stuff for a while. Do you know that the Western legal or economic system or whatever you want to call it, literally sacrificed the city of Hong Kong? Mm-hmm. in order to stabilize this FATF thing that doesn't even bring prosecution. Like it doesn't do anything, right? And what I mean by that is the excuse to allow Chinese mainland law to supersede Hong Kong law in the case of extradition, the argument they used was this FATF system, that because money laundering was happening in Hong Kong, they had to just give up and just not do it, right? Like like they had to become Chinese. Mm. And, and that's what happened. That's the true story, the true and actual story. So the enemies of Bitcoin um, are already the ones that have sacrificed Hong Kong to the altar of compliance and fake measurement. And when you start talking about 2% inflation, what you are really talking about is a system that favors the financial engineers. Now, that is fine, perhaps over 10 or 20 years. But over 80 years of this, where every single capitulation in public policy was really meant and justified by the manipulation of these numbers, forcing everyone to become a financial engineer, forcing everyone to put a huge part of their mental cognition towards saving money, whereas saving money should just be the most basic low IQ activity you ever did. Uh, You should be able to offload all that cognitive effort and put it into being good at whatever it is the thing you want to be good at, making chairs or pianos or I don't care. Mm -hmm. And that ultimately is what it turns into. When they target this 2%, they're forcing everyone to keep up with them. They're forcing everyone to mind read them, to lip read them, to body language read them, which is what people end up doing, right? That's the whole Federal Reserve thing. Like, what did he mean? What did Mm -hmm. they mean? What did they mean? You know, that's fascinating because I I really relate to that because if you have a stack of cash, what on earth are you supposed to do with it? You have to really think about it. You cannot just put it somewhere safe and go on about your day. You have to think about what is the best use for that cash, no matter how small it is, because if you sit on it, you're losing five or six percent, as you were just saying. So that's a really interesting way of saying that you have to become a financial engineer. You can't be just good at your day job. You have to play their game if it's going to lose its value. And, and we're dealing with 80 years of that. We're dealing with 80 years of maybe the best engineer for whatever, right? Maybe the person who would have engineered a better battery has been stuck at Morgan Stanley making money hand over fist doing some weird leverage scheme. What did that do for anyone? And and that's why you have the the sort of unaccountable world we live in today. You're able to just 
equate power and influence with money and then there's no feedback to how that actually gets created but the good news is i mean it's it's one of the things that i think crypto is good at um it gets people to understand just how manipulated all the stuff is it becomes clear for a lot of people what race they're really in um but then ultimately what you learn i think anyway is that the better answer is make savings easy again mm -hmm. and and take away the premium uh at a systemic level i think ultimately what we want to see is that there's less and fewer financial engineers that it goes back to being the weird uh job that it was in the past you don't want it to be nothing right but you don't want it to be the number one job of a generation mm -hmm. again for the fifth generation in a row <laughs> that, that's enough <laughs> we've been enough I want the chair makers back. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that's what you're that that's why you'll see Bitcoiners not, you know, being strong consumers, let's say, except for beef and other really tangible items. And why is that Bitcoiners are they consume less? Well, I mean, I, I won't say they consume less, but I'd say that a lot of the time um you start understanding savings mm. and how consumer culture really your cost benefit is just clearer it's the same it's the same situation you find yourself in in the fiat world but you're dealing with credit and debt and it's like in in the fiat world you can't tell the difference between wealth and debt like someone who looks mm -hmm. wealthy would just be super in debt right mm -hmm. so once you break away from that that's why you get to bitcoiners and sort of the memes around bitcoiners like like even myself right i drive a 2005 Lexus, <laughs> like it's an old car, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> mega Bitcoiner in that way. I thought Bitcoiners all had Lambos. That's what you No, mean. that's not true. Yeah. That, that's a crypto <laughs> meme. Yeah. The Bitcoin, the Bitcoiners will joke about the Lambos, but the, the, the deep Bitcoin culture rejects, uh, the car industry. In fact, the, the entire industry, the entire idea of buying an entire union's uh pension plans and basically all baked into the price of your car right just mm -hmm. a complete misallocation of capital over the same financially engineered generations you're you're getting that on top of the the vehicle you know i i, I definitely predict a world where cars become super cheap and locally produced because they're really just uh far fewer parts right you you mm -hmm. can see the car industry in an in an electric car industry time uh, you can imagine uh, a car going from like however many thousands of parts today to just being a handful. It's a battery and a drive chain and whatever you put on the top for the thing can be whatever frame, you know, you can you can make. So it's the, it's the like golf cartization of, of where cars are headed. I only buy cars from before the government got into the car business after the meltdown. So I mm. only buy cars from fourth <laughs> and I'll only buy cars going forward that are you know, basically electric and and super simple, uh, not from a major car producer. I, I'm, I'll drive these Toyotas until everyone's in a golf cart. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're not at all worried that the electric car thing is to get us all on the grid, and then they're going to turn the grid off. In in much the same way that when you build a real estate project, you need sort of an anchor tenant, right? You know, you you build a strip mall, um, you need a grocery store or. Mm. or TJ Maxx or something. In the case of small scale grid projects, you're going to see them embrace Bitcoin mining 
as exactly that, the anchor tenant. Until now, governments were the ones who bought all the nuclear reactors, right? If 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 they even bothered, but it was some form of municipal whatever. Um, I think you're going to get a private sector boom in small modular nuclear reactors. And the Bitcoin mining aspect is going to sort of incentivize that. So the idea of DGen Island and Bitcoin Citadels is very realistic for that reason, because you're going to get an energy decentralization that will actually make financial sense. The problem with all the green energy tech right now is it doesn't make financial sense. Um, this is going to take away the, it, it'll take away the monopoly and buyer, right? So right now, like I said, it's only been cities and states and, and things like that. And they're not competent. They're not going to be able to figure <laughs> this out. They haven't. They've been sucky at it to begin with. So um, look what they did to Germany. I mean, this is a complete shithole now. And uh, it's not going to get better until they become more financially literate and they ignore what Greta has to say about energy. So DGen Island is going to have a mine in the middle of it that'll mine Bitcoin and help subsidize or at least financialize the price of the decentralized grid. So um, I predict you're going to have way more decentralization because you're going to have a financial incentive to decentralize the grid and it'll be supplementary to um, what's going on in the main grid. Because you're already seeing in Texas. In Texas, they're already doing the feed-in system. Um, so you see Riot, for example, this past summer made, I don't know, something like 24. I know Beto O'Rourke was crying about it, saying it was a subsidy. What it is, is they have a choice to either run the Bitcoin mines at the price electricity's at, but sometimes it gets expensive and they have a sell-back rate. And so they can sell the energy back to the grid um, in, in times of need and in times when it's there. And what that turns into is, is a choice for how they spend their energy, which is a very normal circumstance. The Bitcoin miners want to live in that. That's the whole load balancing argument that they can load balance um, with, with their appetite for energy. And, and for those reasons, yeah, I'm not worried about a decentralized grid at all, a, a centralized grid at all, at all, at all, zero. I have zero worries. Well, that's wonderful news. So I can get that hybrid I've been looking at. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah the, and the Toyota ones look pretty yeah. reasonable too, the new ones. Yeah, I've seen them. They're, and the prices are way down, so good for them. Is nuclear your champion or your, your favorite new source of energy that we should really invest in? It's either nuclear or batteries, right? Mm. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with Elon Musk's assessment that if you created better battery tech, um, we could get there. I, I agree with that. I've never really heard a good criticism of nuclear energy other than RFK is one, which is you can't get it insured. But I believe that was the old era of reactors. I think the small modular nuclear ones are, uh, and you know, they've engineered out the risk. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the, the sleeper business that I see being a, a big thing is is more or less the DGen Island argument. I saw Trump, uh, if you remember, early in this campaign, came out with his uh, Freedom City competition. Mm. So he's going to have 10 new cities built in America. Um, Elon Musk has built his thing. You got that line in Saudi Arabia. So I think there is going to be a huge 
business. I think, frankly, I think that's going to be the economy building new cities. I don't, I don't have any appetite to fix New York. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> like, I don't want to go back there. Right. So I think you're going to be building new things. You know, they got the Bitcoin city in El Salvador. Nothing's being done on that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not under any illusion, even that the line in Saudi Arabia is going to work. Not, not all of these are the, the right thing and the right idea. Right. Um, but you saw Kanye West, for example, uh, experimenting with house design. Um, you know, there, this is an untapped field and it's going to be big. And I think the small modular nuclear reactors make it that much easier to imagine. I, I can imagine, for example, most of, you know, there's a debate right now for water in the United States between Arizona and California. A lot of people wondering what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I predict the entire West Coast of the United States are going to have a ton of um, nuclear reactors that will be there for just desalination. And and if you know how desalination works, I mean, it couldn't be more simple. It's literally just pump water through a filter. Uh, the problem is you need the energy to pump it. But if you pumped it from the ocean up the mountains and then let it fall down into the valley in Arizona, well, it wouldn't be that complicated, right? It would be totally pure by the time it got there. And you'd have had the salt build up just from the elevation of going through the mountains in a simple tube so or a simple hose or pipe or whatever. So you're going to see uh, terraformation and engineering projects and and deserts turning into green. I mean, that that's basically the whole market for the future is um um re you know, basically uh, uh engineering land whether it's climate change or or whatever that that forces you to change it right like you know I, i'm not a, a believer in the catastrophic effects of climate change at all but we can't deny there's changes mm -hmm. in different mm -hmm. places i'm not i'm not afraid of it at all i'm just saying it's a dynamic system and things change right so that that's fine <laughs> tell the the people in Amsterdam, right? They they had to manipulate their environment because it changed mm -hmm. and they're doing great, right? So I think the real business here is manipulating environments so that we all keep doing great. And, and you know, even for example, the reason why we have, there's a hurricane hitting the East coast of North America like tomorrow, right? Well, hurricanes really come from the fact that the Sahara desert is there, right? That's where it starts. It starts with the hot air coming off the desert. It hits the Atlantic it ends up spinning down into the ocean and then it hits the warm ocean currents and shoots back up towards America. Well, if you just take away the desert in Africa, you actually solve. There's no more hurricanes in America. They're gone. We'll just be done with them. We'll have zero hurricanes in America if we just go to Africa and terraform the desert where nobody lives and there's no actual government. <laughs> and there's no people. <laughs> All right. So... So it's not going to be that hard, right? Uh, you're going to have maybe DGen Island is going to be, a, you know, in Africa, uh, in some place that used to be the desert. So uh, that that that's where I see it. It's just abundant energy all the time. And the only way anyone's going to be able to pay for this is the the really unique finance tool that Bitcoin is. What 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 you see right now, even with the BRICS two and the US dollar, mm -hmm. you know, my, my prediction is the US dollar literally becomes food stamps. That's why it is the US trash token. Mm. It's going to become purely political money. And that's fine, right? That that's what they're asking for. That's what they're going to get. They're going to have to sign up. You're going to have to give them all your info, everything. They're going to tell you what you can buy, what you can't buy. It's going to be the whole thing. You can you can see it already, right? Um, but the the people who have wealth and in this case, energy don't want to save food stamps. So they're going to need something else. 
And you're already seeing it, right? There is no more petrodollar. Um, you're seeing all these countries express a desire to buy energy in something other than dollars. They're going to try this BRICS2 thing, but that's going to be a trash shitcoin. That's not going to work, right? It's going to be the stupidest thing you've ever seen, and no one's going to trust it. Would you give China, Russia, <laughs> Iran, <laughs> Brazil, <laughs> these guys, like, come on, who's going to follow these people, right? right? Would you give them a single penny? Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give any of these, and nothing, zero, mm -hmm. right? Not one of these systems. Like, would I, would you trust the Shanghai Exchange with the global energy markets? <laughs> it's not even close, right? Not in any day of my life. So it's got to become something neutral, and that's what the world seems to be expressing. That's what BRICS two is a is a signal of. It's not the answer to. So Bitcoin comes up the middle. It becomes the global reference rate for the energy markets. It becomes the global settlement uh, system for the energy markets, and then. Because it's the reference for energy, it just becomes the reference for everything. It becomes the reference for all economic activity, um, and it becomes an easy one. And and then because you now have a reference, I I often describe it as uh, the way water is used to create the metric system, right? The properties of water. And this mm -hmm. to go back to your first question about the two percent. This is exactly why. Mm -hmm. Imagine you uh, had a measuring system for whatever it is. In the case that we use for science, it's the metric system, right? Now we use the metric system because we could actually communicate the metric system to aliens and they would understand what we're talking about if if they were just out there right and by that i mean we took the properties of water right we just said what does water do okay this is water we understand water mm -hmm. at this temperature it freezes and at this temperature it boils okay let's make that zero and let's make that 100 and then we'll just divide it all up evenly between that and then, well, how much does that, you know, how much space does that take up and under these conditions? Well, that, that, we'll call that a liter. And then what is a liter? And then that's a meter. And then so the whole thing is actually based on the properties of water. Now, when you talk to these economists about targeting 2% inflation, it would be like saying, let's build a whole measurement system, but we'll take the denominator and we'll just change it a little bit every time. So it would be like now water freezes next year at two degrees, right? No, no, don't worry about it. We just add two. Don't, don't sweat it, right? It's one year. It's fine. <laughs> one year sooner or later none of your numbers make sense anymore and they can't actually be compared and there is no more reference and so if there's no more reference you end up making it up you have no choice so that's really what you want to avoid right what you want is what we have with the metric system is that it can't change it's just always easy to compare things and and that's all bitcoin in the end is is it needs to do right it's just to become a way to count the world or any that that's even why I use the 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 handle that I do count BTC. Uh, it's it's like a sovereign royal title, but it's also <laughs> uh, to say that that's uh, absolutely all you need to do in the end is just count Bitcoin, and we'll probably be able to take care of all the problems we have <laughs> running healthy societies. To play devil's advocate, um, I totally understand what you're saying, but my professor would say the price of Bitcoin is far too volatile. So what would cost you 10 Bitcoin today may cost you six Bitcoin tomorrow. Or for instance, when someone bought the pizza for 10,000 Bitcoin, and that was just such a cheap price back then or whatever it was. Um, at what point or at what time do you think that price volatility will even out? I'd say when it does couple with the energy industry is, is sort of what I predict. And it would have to do that for my thing to make sense, right? It can't mm -hmm. just do that arbitrarily. You know, it can't be measured in pizzas, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's not, that's not a reference. So 
Indeed, I think it is when it couples as closely as possible to the energy supply in the world. So that would be the time. Now, the argument of it being volatile, for sure, right? That, that's But that's why you hear Bitcoiners say they only measure Bitcoin in Bitcoin. Right. It is the measurement system. So, um, you know, the one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin meme. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would agree, right? It's not, it's not something like I don't measure to this day. I don't measure... Uh, you know, cups of coffee in Bitcoin. I, I don't have any appetite to pay for coffee in with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I'm not. I'm not trying to make it a, a, a medium of exchange in that way today. Right. That's not. So, and I don't know if it ever needs to be. If you go to these shit places like Argentina uh, that ruin their money, that's how it is. Like you can buy coffee in the local money. I continue to think you'll you'll be able to buy coffee for U.S. trash tokens and food stamps forever. But in the case of of referencing and measuring things like I measure my wealth, I guess you could say professional freedom I have, right? Or mm-hmm. whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. My my actual freedom index is how my Bitcoin. Then even this past bear market, you know, you didn't even have to have leverage to get slammed in all of your normal things this year. Mm-hmm. And just corruption alone was enough, right? The mm-hmm. SEC and all this fucking activity, pardon my I don't, I don't want to say <laughs> all these sons of bitches, right? Um they <laughs> You know, what is clearly corruption, the federal reserve, the federal courts said it explicitly about um, the GBDC trust. Now, I'm not going to sit here and cry about it. I don't really care. Uh, it's just another lesson that all of this stuff, you know, that that might have made me uh, on paper feel or look wealthy was garbage. It was all just trash and garbage and wasn't real. Mm. Um, because it just took some litigation and some BlackRock market squeezing to destroy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it, <laughs> right? Uh, all I, you know, perpetually, all you have left at the end is is Bitcoin. Um, and and that's why, I, for me personally, I only use it for that index. Now, indeed, the U.S. dollar exchange rate changes, uh, and that's a pain, right? Like uh, it does affect the degree to which you can have fu money or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still not really the way I keep score, and and I don't think keeping score in dollars will ever do me much of a favor. Uh, so that's what I would say to your mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. professor that like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, if I measured it in pizza, sure. Uh, I, I do think it'll be less volatile when it is bound to the energy industry. Uh, and and from here to there, it's just up. So that that's how I see it with a couple of these sideways years. What will it take for it to be bound to the energy? Just referencing it. That's literally it. Yeah. <laughs> literally, what is the price of oil in Bitcoin? Once you start seeing the reference rate for other commodities be Bitcoin, then you're there. So what will it be an exchange? that uh settles all you know energy exchanges are real you know that the guy who owns the new york stock exchange comes from the energy exchange business those mm. are very lucrative exchanges and you know you trade you trade derivatives and purchasing contracts mm. and contracts and i don't think they're nearly as sophisticated as they can be um i think you're going to end up getting energy finance baked into the platforms into the exchanges and that exchange doesn't exist yet Right. So I, I can see a world where you have a Bitcoin settled, Bitcoin denominated. We're, we're almost there. You can think of backed, right? Mm-hmm, the the mm-hmm. Bitcoin exchange, which exists inside of the New York Stock Exchange as sort of a proto example of this, right? This is an energy market. They learned how to settle in Bitcoin. They, they, they figure that out. They have futures contracts. You can start imagining 
everything built on top of that, plus energy finance. Like this is a project to build a nuclear reactor here or a wind farm there, or well, wind, wind can be a bit of a scam, but solar at least makes a lot of sense to me. I think it requires the failure of the US dollar as a reference for oil, mm. uh, which would require only US inflation, which guess what? Mm-hmm. And then a failure of BRICS to, to create an alternative. And then suddenly if energy is referenced in non-state money, and settled in non-state money and financed in non-state money, then you have the true um, rulers of the world, uh, the energy companies and the banks, functioning on something that isn't state-related, which is T-bills and central bank uh, debt. So once you lure them into that field, you win. It's over, right? (laughs) This Mm -hmm. is over. Uh, And if you even look at the war in Ukraine, what, what are we seeing, right? The whole Nord Stream thing. Okay, forget everyone's name for a second. Who allowed Nord Stream to happen? It was U.S. Energy. Mm-hmm. It would never have happened unless U.S. Energy said, we can cover Europe. We can take that market share. We can handle it. They weren't going to let Europe go cold and die, right? So in, somewhere along the line, U.S. Energy made that thing possible. Um, all we need to do is tap into their greed, and we should be fine. To just buy into the greed. That's one of the things that... I was most intrigued by when I started learning more about crypto is that the fiat system runs from greed. It pretends like it has elevated to like a more elite and sweet and nice level of human nature that we're all going to work together. Whereas crypto leans into greed and it rewards and values greed. And I would rather not hide from the way that humans are. And that was one of the more interesting things in my opinion. But The other question I have on my mind now is central bank digital currency. So Bitcoin would be a great universal backing for the energy markets. Is there a world in which they try to do a one world CBDC as the backing of the energy market? Yeah, I I think they're trying. I think think they're going to get there too. I think you're going to get, I mean, there's, there's, I, I used to believe everyone could avoid a CBDC. But COVID unfortunately taught me that there will be sludge people, no matter what, that follow and absolutely just want the answer spoon-fed and and don't want to take personal responsibility over what they do, what others do. Yeah, I, I think there's there's going to be people who sign up for UBI in particular. Mm-hmm. I, I think CBDCs and UBI are the same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think people will do it just because there's a credit to the government, but if they if you can use it to pay your bills, yeah, yeah, they're going to do it. Um, now it's going to come with all of the things you imagine, can and can't do this, extinguishing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take care of more of your decisions. Um, so there is a bit of a competition, right, between um, between systems. I don't think we need to have create. I don't think it's a popularity thing. It's not democracy, right? And and I think in Satoshi's paper, he was pretty clear. It's a peer to peer network. Not everyone just because you're a human doesn't make you a peer. The language comes from Magna Carta. Frankly, uh, it comes from the origins of the legal system, and the peers were just the lords, right? They, they didn't say like that when they told the king, "You're not God." <laughs> Uh, and we're peers. They they weren't like that stupid idiot over there is also a peer. No, 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 no. It was just them. They had armies. They had their own castles. And they said, if we get together with our nodes, we can kill you. Um, so 
I think there is a certain like player character energy, which is what I love about the Bowtie Jungle. These are all playable characters, mm -hmm. no NPCs allowed, right? Mm -hmm. I think I think the 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 Bowtie Jungle has embraced the NPC meme at its core. Um, I think we will have NPCs in the future, and and the, it looks like that's why the bugs are getting uh, turned into food. But you know the, the 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 truth is there's a bigger appetite and and enough playable characters in there that um, there's going to be a bifurcation. You saw it during COVID. I mean, COVID. My, my strategy in COVID was to never get mad at anyone because <laughs> I expected no one to get anything right, and I would scam back on the system as much as they tried to scam me. So I just turned into the biggest counterfeiter. <laughs> Like, you know, from the start, and I never got mad once. And by scammer, I mean, you know, I, I had a good time with Photoshop and other things that made COVID a hilarious joke. If you're financially literate, uh, which is what I love about the Bowtie Jungle, it's all about that financial literacy piece, and you're media literate, and you're energy literate, if you have those skills, you're super powered and overpowered in the future. And, and with that overpower, I, I feel more like it's a conquistador situation where like a hundred something people can destroy an army of 20,000. It's interesting that you say that you did not find COVID. You did not let COVID make you mad. I can't no. say I was of that mindset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but I made that decision from the start. I said, I expect nothing. I Did you know right away that it was going to be not what it was said to be? I had the advantage of, uh, you know, Balaji Srinivansan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he he did a little bit of work with us at Coindesk in like helping us advise the events and all that stuff over the years. Um, and he always spoke at it. And so he was giving us like months, you know, he was telling us in December, cancel your event to mm -hmm. December 2019. Like this is real. It's coming. It's It's a serious thing. Um, and, and was kind of warning us about what it was. And, and so I had a bit of a head start in a sense. Um, now I was getting a lot of, let's say plugged in information at that time about this. And we could tell that the minute, the, the minute the, message came out that masks don't work mm. if you remember the first mm -hmm. message that masks don't work that was the tell that this was a, a an operation in a sense right and because it was a lie which is i'm fine with mm -hmm. like i get why they're lying right but <laughs> like i was like what a, a mask like friction doesn't work <laughs> <What are you laughs> <talking about? laughs> uh so that to me um was enough to say that I can't trust anything. I'm in a zero trust environment. So to this day, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about vaccines or people dying from vaccines or any of it, right? I don't buy any of it. I, all I saw from COVID was science doesn't work. That's it. That's all I saw. I, after that, I don't know shit, right? And I just don't bother. I just don't, if you can't measure your risk, what do I know? We can't measure any of it. It's the same endemic problem with our money. There, there is no way to measure this stuff and whatever you can show me graphs and science but i i i, I don't I, it's not my lab i don't understand it mm. <laughs> i can't even read it if i tried right do your own science is also not a good look like i uh, do your own research what like i'm gonna, <laughs> gonna become an mrna vaccine <laughs> guy like i'm not doing that like i'm not doing any of that so 
it's more that I just said, uh, you're dealing with persuasion, not anything else. And I, ref I just won't be persuaded by any of it. I'll just try and try and decide for myself things, which I, which I don't want to do. I don't want to do that. I don't want to look into vaccines. I don't want to know anything about that stuff, right? I wish we had a system that produced safe vaccines. I knew we didn't. So I won't, I won't touch it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I understand why someone wants to take a vaccine. Right? Mm -hmm. Like I get, I get the idea of vaccines, right? But uh, so no, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't have like a, 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 a whole prediction about how things were going. And I got a lot of stuff wrong. I thought we were, I thought the hydroxychloroquine at the beginning was going to work mm. and that, that didn't work. And so I thought we were going to be able to, to beat it. Um, but the messaging was just too thick and, and, and I could see the fingerprints of, of persuasion on top of it. The reason why I ask is because I was in college at the time and it was not a thing at all. And then suddenly we were on spring break and told that we can't come back. So there was just two mm. different worlds. And then I was just locked in my house for seven or eight months. And Terrible. When they... Yeah, I felt bad for people. You're right. Honestly, <laughs> I, I I was like I had a brand new baby and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it was no, there's no difference to me, right? Yeah. Like being locked. but I but I didn't stay locked down. I I disobeyed everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to disobey as much as possible. Um, but when the vaccine came out, I was just so skeptical. Not only from the right wing bodybuilders on Twitter, but also because you had just locked me in my house for eight months, and I'm a healthy. Yeah. At the time, mm -hmm. 19 year old girl, I already had COVID, like mm -hmm. I had natural immunity. There was no uh, parameters around that. I was just like, this doesn't smell right to me. Mm -hmm. And I can't read the, the data. I have no idea what it says, but mm -hmm. the fact that they're pushing this so hard and I'm at really no risk, I just didn't do it. And I got a lot of crap for it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, 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 it's a hard road to take. Um, but that's that playable character energy. That's the, that's the thing that a lot of people, you know, the 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 ability to be embarrassed and and to have a group of people sort of mock and laugh and mm -hmm. peer pressure not fall for it is one of the big tests of of World War Three because that's one of the main psychological uh, that that's you know basically when I saw the first lie I knew we weren't in the realm of healthcare we were in the realm of persuasion mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and and because of that. Um, I didn't know who was going to win the persuasion game, right? Um, you know, Trump Trump himself is a great persuader, but he looked like he was rolled a few times right. in the thing. So that that also was, you know, disappointing. Um, and and the, by the way, you know, that guy Balaji almost became Trump's head of the FDA. The world would be very different today wow. had that thing worked out. He, he, back in the day when, when we were first talking with him in Coindesk in the old days, 2016, uh, he went dark for over a year because it was going to happen, basically, that he was going to go join that administration. And the world would have been a much different place had he. Um, uh, it's a really a shame it didn't go down that way. Uh, but, he, you know, he he was sort of explaining the difference between the reality of the virus, which he said was real. Mm -hmm. Right. And and he was the first person to also say, this is not how you should handle it. This is pure persuasion. They're manipulating you. If they're telling you right now you can't go in a park, be careful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? yeah. Like you should be outdoors. So yeah. do you think that that was all incompetence from the leadership? Or what do you think was driving? Mm, 
No, um, I don't know about incompetence. It's a combination of things, though. I, I, I wouldn't. We. It's still fog of war, so it's hard to go back. It looks like America had a role in producing it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure to what extent the Chinese poor handling at Wuhan was related, but it was clearly a lab leak. Uh, mm -hmm. It's clearly from uh, gain of function. And I don't know about incompetence because it looks like indeed there was persuasion laid down immediately to hide the origins, manipulate the conversation. Um, so I, I don't think it was a, a, a thing planned years in advance. Um, but I mean, it's hard. Uh, who knows with the election and everything, honestly, yeah. anything at this point, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to say at what degree this was planned or or not right. uh it all i know is where it came from and it came from you know the the best frame you can take for covid comes precisely from rfk for exact rfk jr for exactly this reason when he says this was run directly out of national security and not from any health agency and i, I think that's that's as much as we need to know and that's as much as you can know mm. um the rest of it is fog of war and and probably doesn't really uh, help, you know, nuance is probably not needed. Well, on that note, looking forward into 2024, do you anticipate a similar set of lockdowns and requirements? I know that was well, one thing people were saying. So what I've been talking about a lot on, on my show, uh, which I do at 8 a.m. Eastern time every day, mm -hmm. uh, is... Uh, you know, I, I think of the alien stuff as like a pen, a pen test, a penetration test, uh, a way to test how many people um, and how deep your persuasion influence is. Um, so I think of that as a, you know, look at what's going on with Elon Musk or with Trump. Uh, I look at it as dark as you can look at it. Uh, I look at it as a as a test to see if you can kill them. Mm. Um, I, I do I do think that's the level things are at. Um, but lockdowns, I think, are going to require hand to hand combat that won't work this time. Mm. In that, there's enough states that are going to ignore it as it is. Um, there's too much of a pressure valve on X, the platform. Um, you've got Bitcoiners who have basically abandoned X and have gone to Noster and you can't, even if you wanted to shut that one down. So, uh, between rumble, between the Hollywood strike and, and the counter programming mm -hmm. and, and the, the capacity of uh, the deep state news machine, right? It's it's failing, right? Without 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 Fox engaged, without CNN engaged, without MSNBC engaged, the whole uh, apparatus of persuasion is is weakened. So they can't compete anymore. I don't think with the podcasters and the independent media mm -hmm. people. It's not the same game as it was in 2020. Even they've hobbled themselves, right? You, you don't get any. Uh, songs about the vaccine from Stephen Colbert anymore. Uh, they're going to have to do without that one. So not that it was that persuasive, but in order to make the hypnosis work, you got to hit them every day, right? It, it is, it, it's, it's, it's not a logical thing. It is a, um, a type of lullaby or a type of um, um, 
orchestration. And if the conductor's wand isn't moving, then there's nothing to distract you. And if you can't get distracted, you'll see the magic trick. Mm-hmm. All magic tricks require that, right? That that is absolutely what is required is is to is to divert, uh, bet on someone's lack of imagination, and then subvert, right? That that that's how it works. So, uh, we're we're harder to fool uh, at levels that we haven't been before. So, what do I predict for twenty twenty four? Just about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is the kill list is pretty deep now. They got to do. They're going to have to do Elon. They're going to have to do Trump. They're going to have to do Vivek. They're going to have to do RFK. They're going to have to do Russell Brand. They're going to have to. They're going to have to kill a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I, I expect you can't limit what they're willing to do. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put a limit, but I don't think any of it's enough. Uh, I don't. You know, if you if you go back into the classics like Paradise Lost or anything, mm-hmm. you know, the minute you confront these demons, they're weak. They're weak. They always were, right? And if they can't censor, if just X is enough and Twitter is enough to have them on their heels like this, uh, what what's it? You know, what's the next thing going to do? So, I think it's already too late. I think they made too many mistakes. I, I, this is this is the end of a system. Um, and this is what it looks like. It's it's not the the culmination of devilish plans. It's just the incentives that ran humans for a long time that created trauma and and all kinds of bad stuff are are about to be over. And and we're we're gonna fix the money, and by that we're gonna have an actual reckoning and and a turning um, into something that that that's more on the the better angels revolutionary side of the american personality and less on the hegemonic imperial side well i'm game for that that sounds awesome to me so it's coming it's coming (laughs) we're there we're there with the bikes and everything (laughs) and the hybrids but um thank you so much for coming on this was really fun i really learned a lot for those who are listening uh, where would you like to direct them right now? You have your show every day. Where is that? Yeah, we do. So you can find me on Twitter at Count BTC. Uh, you can find me on YouTube also. Uh, I think it's under my name, but Count BTC. The show is called The Breakup. Uh, we also broadcast on the Bitcoin Magazine Rumble page where I get a few thousand viewers a day. Uh, and uh, we will be turning it into an audio podcast pretty soon. I just haven't really gotten around to the effort. Uh <laughs> We've been running the show for over a year now every day, and uh, we get a good gang. We get, you know, nearly 100 people every morning. It's on X as well, of course. 100 people come live, uh, and we uh, have some coffee, and we talk about what's new. Right, That's it. Awesome. Well, thank you again, and have a great rest of your day. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. This has been yet another episode of Common Sense. If you liked the conversation, please consider hitting that follow button on Spotify. Oh, and tell everyone you've ever met to do the same. And while you're feeling generous, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel? I promise I've ridiculed at least one of the identity groups you dislike. You have a great day now.